welcome to the Old Soul Movie Podcast, your number one spot for classic movie rewatches and breakdowns. My name is Jack Oremus, and I'm here with my sister, Emma Oremus. We decided that we wanted to make a show that reflected our love and appreciation for classic movies. And while you're here, hopefully we can share that together as an Old Soul family. We're going to be diving into these movies scene by scene and giving our modern reactions to the films that have influenced generations of people. There will be fun facts, hot takes, tears, laughter, and everything in between. And with that being said, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Old Soul Movie Podcast. Today, we are covering the 1978 American comedy film directed by John Landis, Animal House. Yes, National Lampoon's Animal House, the infamous fraternity classic set in the fall. Oh, love the feels. Emma, how are you today? I'm doing good. I'm excited to cover this college classic. We uh, didn't get our school fix in quite enough, so we're like, we got to keep Keep going with Animal House. <laughs> Greece was not enough. We uh, we started at Rydell High, we graduated, and now we are sort of off to Faber Faber College. And yeah. oh man, we are growing up. If Greece, <laughs> if Greece was uh, a little too maybe sweet for you, then maybe Animal <laughs> House is your your cup of tea. This one is a fun one, Emma. It is mighty saucy. Um, yeah, Animal House. What can I say? It really is quite the important film, more important than people give it credit for, oddly enough. Um, it's a 1978 film, but it does take place in 1962. And a little bit of background. So it is titled National Lampoon's Animal House. And National Lampoon is an American magazine that ran from 1970 to 1998, and it had creative projects that focused on parodies, surrealism, and some of the um, some projects under the National Lampoon name still exist today or continue today. And it was a really big cultural component for the latter half of the American 20th century. And what's also really interesting about this film is it's kind of the first one associated with the gross-out genre. So the gross-out genre describes the movement in which um, it aims to shock or disgust an audience with controversial material or humor, such as toilet humor, nudity, sexual topics, tasteless humor, things that are downright disgusting. It usually does involve lots of nudity or laughing at others' misfortunes. Once the production code was completely dismantled in the late 1960s, some filmmakers did begin to experiment with this sort of comedy with uh, kind of explicit taboo subjects with sex and other bodily <laughs> related things. And although there were other movies before this that experimented with this type of humor, this one was really the first one associated with that term of gross-out genre. And ever since this, gross-out films have just been kind of a staple in the American comedy realm. This film is so important that in 2001, the United States Library of Congress considered the film to be culturally significant and preserved in the National Film Registry. Yeah, I would consider it to be pretty important. I think that this is just maybe a turning point 
in how spoofs are kind of made. For me, I think that this is one of the the biggest ones, if not the biggest ones about college life in particular. I think that this one is really the one that kind of starts to fantasize the fraternity life. Everyone wants to kind of be a Delta. Everyone, everyone <laughs> wants to think that they are the quote unquote animal house. And yeah, I think that for young, young guys growing up in America, this is kind of the, I don't know, a lot of the preconceived notions about what they think uh, college is going to be like. I certainly had like a little bit of those. There are some things that are accurate, but there's a lot of stuff that's not. So I'm excited to get into that later. That will be fun. Jack and I were both involved in Greek life in college. I absolutely loved it. It was a really great experience for me personally. Uh, so, And this is, it's so funny watching this because there's some things that make you feel nostalgic and other things where I'm like, that is just not how things were. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so it'll be fun to kind of tackle those rumors or those stereotypes. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, like you said, the Delta house, everyone wants to be in the Delta house rather well, than the Omega maybe, house. Maybe not in the movie, but like outside of the movie, everyone sure, watching yeah. it thinks Delta is, yeah, awesome. Well, and that's what's really interesting is because this is kind of a reflection on American society. There's actually an article in the Atlantic Monthly that describes how Animal House really captured the change the shift in counterculture that was going on after you know 60s and onwards as we know there's yes oppression but people fighting against the oppression in the 50s but once the production codes dismantled now you're in this whole other flip where it's like really really taking on kind of this gritty taboo area. And you can really see that paralleled with the Omega house and the Delta house. You have the rigid, strict, formal Omegas, and then you have these Deltas that are very outlandish. And that's the side you're really actually kind of feeling is the cool side. Um, and it's showing the shift in the American youth culture and how they're shifting towards getting out of that rigidity. Yeah. Yeah. This is such a an interesting film because to me, it almost feels more like an anthology film. And for those of you who aren't familiar with anthologies, think of uh, like a bunch of different little stories. Yes, there is sort of an overarching plot to it, but I think that there's just a lot of <laughs> kind of goofy moments and goofy little uh, stories that sort of naturally progress throughout the film. And it, it's it, it's got so many characters that I think you could consider like one of the main characters or that they're sort of equally weighted so that no one necessarily, I, I wouldn't say there's like a main, main character, honestly. I know a lot of people might say like Bluto, John Belushi, but I think for me, he's just like a really strong supporting guy and he's hilarious. I mean, this is a great, great John Belushi movie. Well, it's really actually interesting that you bring that up because from a story structure, your protagonist is kind of the first you know, person you meet. And it's weird because I feel like the protagonist in this story is the Delta House just like the house, like the yeah. symbol of the house as a whole. <laughs> yeah. And going against the grain. So that's what's kind of cool is you don't just have one person you're rooting for. It is kind of like, like you said, those short many stories. And uh, the script did have its origin in a bunch of short stories that were published in the National Lampoon magazine. So it kind of came to life all in one big mesh. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it is 109 minutes as a runtime. At the box office, this is pretty interesting. It had a budget of $3 million, which seems pretty low, even though they have a lot of cool sets and stuff. And then it went on to gross uh, $141.6 million at the box office. So that's a huge haul. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, could definitely consider it to be uh, an almost instant classic right away. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that filming on a campus was huge. Getting an actual school to agree to let them use their sort of their grounds, their offices was something that just made it seem so much more authentic in a way, even though there's so much ridiculousness going on throughout the movie. It does. Yes. It was filmed at the University of Oregon. Thank you so much, University of Oregon, for agreeing to this. Uh, University of Missouri, I believe, passed it up. What's interesting is the president of University of Oregon passed on The Graduate when they wanted to film the college scenes there. Mm -hmm. And after that movie was such a big success, he didn't want to miss another opportunity. So he did agree to this one. (laughs) And uh, this movie itself is kind of in a little bit of a icon status as well. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a beautiful campus, Oregon's uh, Oregon's campus. And yeah, that senior administrator, the president of Oregon was William Beatty Boyd. He was a senior administrator at uh, Berkeley when The Graduate was happening. But all the actors involved with it, Emma, do you want to introduce them or? Um, There's a lot. (laughs) Where do we even begin? Well, let's just begin with the man himself. John Belushi. And John Belushi was by far the biggest star in this movie, technically, I guess, until they signed Donald Sutherland, but that's whatever. Um, And John Belushi was very big at the time. He was starring on Saturday Night Live. He actually had to fly back and forth between Oregon and New York, I think, to manage filming both at the same time. And I'll never forget one time when I was in high school, the topic of Animal House came up in one of my classes. And one of my fellow students goes, oh, is that the one with Jim Belushi's brother? And the teacher goes, oh my gosh, I don't think in the history of the world have I ever heard John Belushi been referred to as Jim Belushi's brother. <laughs> like Jim Belushi <laughs> is usually referred to as John Belushi's brother. Um, but I just always think of that when I watch this. And uh, what's really crazy is that John Belushi died only four years after this came out. Isn't that sad and terrible and like shockingly close all at once? He did die from drug intoxication from a speedball, which is a mix of heroin and cocaine. Yeah, it's just really sad to see how someone was way, way up here and then passed away in such a short amount of time after this big movie came out. We also have some interesting appearances, like for example, Karen Allen, who plays Katie. She's in actually this is actually one of her first movies too, if not her first. She played Marion in the Indiana Jones films. So she played Indiana Jones Love Interests. And uh, you have a baby, baby Kevin Bacon in this. Uh, Definitely, yeah. This is his first accredited film role. He was so unknown at the time that it came out that he had to watch the movie like in the back with regular people because they didn't believe he was in the movie. (laughs) They're like, who are you? 
And we also have Donald Sutherland, who is definitely a very big star at the time. You might know him as Kiefer Sutherland's father, if you <laughs> didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. 24, guys. 24. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, really quickly, I guess we can even just blast through the the other characters. I mean, I know that we could spend a lot of time talking about all of them, but there's so many. I feel like we just need to, you know, say them and just move on to all the good stuff because the names are important yeah. to keep straight because there's a, I feel like there's a lot of frat bros and yeah, we just got to yeah. get the names yeah. down. No, we got Otter, Eric Stratton, played by uh, Tim Matheson, Donald Boone, Schoenstein, played by Peter Reigert, uh, Pinto, Lawrence Kroger, the the first person that we're actually introduced to, but sort of, I mean, he's, he's a, I mean, he's a main character, but he's kind of in the background uh, playing oh, by. he's Tom. a big guy too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of big guys yeah. in this movie, but uh, Tom Holch plays him. Uh, Flounder, <laughs> Kent Dorfman, the big guy played by Stephen First. Uh, D-Day, crazy D-Day, the motorcyclist extraordinaire, uh, sort of mechanic, all in one. Daniel Simpson <laughs> uh, played by Bruce McGill. Robert Hoover played by James Widows. Stork played by Douglas Kenny. Uh, Greg, Gregory Marmalade played by uh, James Doughton. Douglas C. Niedermeyer, the crazy ass Niedermeyer, played by Mark Metcalf. He's such a good antagonist in this. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. So uh, good. Yep. You mentioned Kevin Bacon as Chip Diller. Uh, That's such a frat name, Chip Diller, like yeah, a preppy frat guy. That is ridiculous. Uh, Dean Warmer, amazing villain, played by John Vernon. Surprised that he's not, honestly, in, uh, we don't see him appear in more things. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he definitely has his his own resume, but this was one of the bigger ones. And Verna Bloom is Marion Warmer, Dean Warmer's wife. <laughs> and who else? Who else are the big ones? Dwayne Jesse, I think, deserves to be shouted out because he plays Otis Day, singer. And Emma, what is the fun fact involved with Dwayne Jesse? This is amazing. So Dwayne Jesse performing as Otis Day was so successful that he legally changed his name to Otis Day and subsequently recorded and toured as Otis Day and the Knights. So could you imagine changing your identity because your character was so much more like well-known than Than yourself? I don't know. That's just so funny. But I mean, maybe that's a really good move because the song Shout and Shama Lama Ding Dong are, they're both iconic songs that everyone knows. Like Shout, you can't go to a wedding without them playing that. So I think that actually perfectly leads into talking about the amazing soundtrack that's involved in this movie. I think it's honestly perfect. It's yeah, perfect it's for, solid. Yeah, and it's it's got that sort of 60s, late 50s vibe. Sort, and it, it's just great. I think that you have a nice balance between, you know, the classic sort of collegiate feel, especially with the, um, the Faber College theme. But, you know, songs like Shout or Twist in the Night Away, Hey Paula, mm-hmm. What a Wonderful World. I think those are all awesome, awesome songs. Yeah, very solid. Um, like you said, perfect backdrop. Animal House is just so interesting because, like I kind of mentioned before, it, to me it feels like a bunch of short stories all combined into one with the main sort of plot being that this Dean, Dean Warmer and sort of the elitist fraternity are trying to kick off the Deltas who are our fun loving sort of countercultural 
outcasts almost, and they are awful at school. <laughs> they, they prank everybody and they just generally cause ruckus. And of mischief, those boys. A lot of, yeah, a lot of mischief. So the authority, so to speak, of the school is trying to get rid of these guys and they are sort of fighting back against their efforts. And I feel like that honestly is kind of the, <laughs> that's the movie. That's <laughs> yeah. the movie. And there's just a lot of fun that sort of goes along with it. And just, yeah, it's, it's just so, so great. I think what, what would be really fun since we both experienced some Greek life was to do a little, maybe fact or fiction yeah. with some things that are involved in Animal House because that I think would would, would be pretty interesting. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, I've got a million questions for you because I mean, I know from a sorority perspective how things work, but I'm not as familiar with the fraternity side of things. So I have, I do have a million questions for you that Great. I need information Great. on. Great. All right. <laughs> so let's get into this. The very first sort of thing that happens in the movie is that we understand that it is 1962 at Faber College, fabled Faber College, which I don't think we see where exactly it's located. I think it's supposed to take place in Pennsylvania. Okay, I that makes think. that makes sense. Like an East yeah. Coast feel. Definitely yes. has that feel. But we're introduced to college freshmen Lawrence, Larry Kroger, and Kent Dorfman, who are sort of not your typical, I would say, pledges, but they find themselves sort of out of place at sort of the top house, this uh this fraternity called Omega Theta Pi. <laughs> and after they're sort of escorted out and not even well, escorted out. First they, of all, look at yeah. this Omega house. I mean Oh, like God, I, I can't. I, I feel so bad for Kent, but I like his like. He does have some subtle humor in there when like they reintroduce him to someone. He's like, "Oh, we already met." <laughs> There's yeah. funny little <laughs> things, and I hate the way they portray men of color and differently abled men as undesirable recruits. Um, that is not a fraternity I would want to join. So, and I okay. This is already my first fact check question for you. Yeah. So, Kent. And Larry have to wear these beanies, apparently. Well, okay, what is the fraternity process called? For sorority process, it's called like formal recruitment. What's the fraternity? Is it, is it also called a recruitment? Rush, I think. Okay. I, mean, I, I, I don't remember <laughs> calling it anything other than Rush Week. Okay. Like rush events, I think. Okay. That's what we'd call them, rush events. So these potential new members all have to wear these beanies. Did you have to wear any identifier that showed you were a potential new member? No, no. I mean, the, the, the thing that is really the differentiator was actually everyone in the fraternity would wear like a t-shirt. Everyone would just have a different kind of t-shirt. Yeah. So they would wear those t-shirts throughout Rush. So the Rushies would know who to talk to. So okay. it's more like the fraternity members have to wear something instead of the Rushies. So I never had to wear like a beanie or anything uh, <laughs> or to just wear your own clothes and you go to the events, which uh, sometimes they judge you on the clothes. I'm not going to lie, but it's usually because people are trying too hard to be cool. And mm-hmm. if, they're, if they're more like laid back, then I, at least for us, that was more of a a plus if they didn't take themselves too seriously. But gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So for us, and every school is different, but at least at my school, all the sororities had to wear the same t shirt, but with their letters and colors. Mm-hmm. And so that was like equal footing. And then all the potential new member, like all the potential new young women going through it, they all had the same shirt as well. 
okay. they just got to pick their bottoms. Got it. So everyone was kind of like in a uniform, I guess. So you weren't judging on their clothes. Yeah. There were some awful flashbacks in this movie, like <laughs> some really bad flashbacks, I would say. I mean, like good and bad. Uh, I think that, that that's just kind of what happens, you know, when you, I, I mean, we're not very far removed from it. So yeah. it's still sort of fresh. But that's just it. I'm glad yeah. we're covering it now because I feel like the memories start to fade more and yeah. more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this made me go, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So Larry and Kent, <laughs> they kind of find themselves outside of Omega and then they start walking around and they encounter the Delta Tau Kai house, which is just commonly referred to as the Delts, Deltas, where Kent is a legacy. He cannot be rejected because his older brother, Fred, was a member. Jono Bluto Blutarski welcomes them and they meet other Deltas, including motorcyclist Daniel Simpson D Day Day, chapter president Robert Hoover, ladies' man Eric Otter Stratton, and Otter's best friend Donald Boone Schoenstein, whose girlfriend Katie is constantly pressuring him to stop drinking with the Deltas and do something with his life. While they're there, Larry and Kent are invited to pledge and given the fraternity names Pinto and Flounder, respectively, by Bluto, Delta's sergeant at arms. Okay, so already I've got a million comments. This is Um, one of the most (laughs) accurate parts. This was one of the most accurate parts. This did remind me. So my campus didn't have fraternity houses, sorority houses, but I will say that fraternities tended to rent out an entire complex. Um, (laughs) And so this did kind of remind me of one of those complexes on the fraternity end. Yeah, so kind of some fun things here. Every sorority fraternity has a motto, and the fun fact motto for Delta Tau Chi, this isn't a real fraternity, by the way, Um, their motto is art for art's sake, so that's kind of a fun one. Um, John Belushi is like already iconic. The second you beat him, you know this guy's just got it, like the it factor. Um, He sips. He sips, everyone. (laughs) Okay, what are your first impressions of the fraternity guys? Who, Who are your favorites? Who are your least favorites? Who do we think is scummy otter um (laughs) who do we we like (laughs) i mean i think i love robert hoover the president i think he is so he's accurate because he is such an accurate president because (laughs) he's he's trying his best to sort of navigate being a good person and yeah. being responsible and stuff. He's along hurting with, these cats the yeah, best he can. Yeah. And you can just tell that he's so stressed out that I feel like that I've seen that happen so many times with our presidents. Same. Almost every semester without a doubt. So I think Robert Hoover is probably one of the more accurate yeah. uh, characters. I all, I mean, Bluto is awesome. I think everyone everyone sort of has a, a Bluto in their house. <laughs> Maybe sometimes it's like a couple people when they get together and they like kind of become Bluto. But oh my God. I mean, if you're going to party yeah. or if you want someone in your corner, you want Bluto because he is a guy that he is like ride or die at the end. <laughs> he will stick it out with you. And that's kind of what you need, especially in sort of their situation. Otter, I know you probably hate Otter because he is like the absolute opposite of 
feminism and <laughs> everything that you stand for. But otter, I, otter is also somewhat accurate, I would say, just because I'm sure there are yeah. otters out there. Yeah. I get it. I D, know. Yeah. D-Day is kind of outlandish and outrageous. No one will actually ride a motorcycle in your house. If Actually, I mean, I take that back. There are people who will actually go out of their way to destroy the house. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to name drop any names, but I did live in the house for a year and I've seen my fair share of craziness go down with just it generally being a really big mess. No, thankfully no, uh, motorcycles actually, <laughs> but yeah, I can I, say it, on my ends that there were no antics like that. Um, <laughs> in my, well, again, we didn't have houses, but like we had a Greek dorm and mm-hmm. there were no such <laughs> crazinesses. Um, but you're right though. Like a, a bunch of these stereotypes are so accurate. Like president Hoover, he is like the perfect choice to lead this hopeless crew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Otter is like, oh, God, like just, 90, maybe like 80% of a frat is, they think they're Otter. Like they want to be Otter, but they're, they're more like Boone. <laughs> um, yeah. um, and know. that, yeah, Bluto is your quintessential frat star. He is like the perfect stereotype of a frat star and then even boone and katie there's always a boone and katie it whether you have a fraternity or sorority there's always that couple that have this like toxic terrible relationship that's just like (laughs) like full of problems (laughs) yeah yeah no definitely i also think one of the most accurate scenes if not the most accurate scenes in the whole movie is the deliberation scene where okay, that's what I wanted that, to ask you. That yes. was the most accurate. And it's even worse than that. Okay. Like, even worse. How does it work? If you can say, like, how does it work on the fraternity yet? Let me just give you a rundown of the sorority end. So, I mean, it's a very formal process. Like, it's like an interview. You go in, you talk to a few people, like, on a rotation. And then afterwards, you both, like, the sorority is just kind of vote for like, yeah, I could see her joining like, like on a like on your phone. And then the potential new members, they also submit it like on a paper that goes through a machine and they rank who they want to join. And then it's mutual selection and just kind of, they just line them up and whoever you're most compatible with, with the votes, like that's who you get a bid to. Mm -hmm. How does it work for guys? It is almost exactly like this scene. (laughs) where every every single person is lit out of their minds. Everyone's inebriated, most likely drunk because what happens is you come back from a rush event and it is pretty awful. I mean, there are insults thrown back and forth. There are fights over people who think that like someone should, you know, be in. It, it when it's like 50-50, I mean, literal fist fights break out over Whoa. yeah literal fist fights it's crazy and that is there, definitely there, there, there not are, how it works for us there there are people who sort of i think it was otter right who sort of speaks on behalf of larry and kent yes <laughs> but there are people that are exactly like that they just they vouch for someone so hard and sometimes it sometimes it goes through sometimes it doesn't but there are always fights always fights like that is so wild because for sororities you don't even like know who's going to be in the sorority until the day of like until they get their invite but that is a very very accurate scene i would say which can scare some people it It, it scares (laughs) some people 
but <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's a crazy, crazy thing to to go through. Okay, so the names. What do we think of the names? I think Pinto is strong. Like Pinto, why Pinto? Why not? <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Now I think Flounder has a lot of potential. I think it's solid. Might feel insulting at first, but I think you can really make something with that name. What do you think? I definitely like Pinto because Larry yeah. is sort of a Pinto in nature. He's a little bit smaller <laughs> in stature, so he does remind me of a Pinto bean. Uh, flounder. <laughs> I was thinking like the horse. <laughs> oh, whatever. Keep oh. going. <laughs> um, but Flounder, I think, is such a funny. It's a funny name because Bluto takes a second and <laughs> <laughs> like Flounder, <laughs> kind of out of nowhere, and um, he looks like a flounder. I I think. I mean, the only other flounder I know is the flounder from The Little, Little Mermaid. Mermaid. Yeah. And this was before The Little Mermaid. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, that's kind of an interesting little tidbit there. I wonder if that's connected. Yeah, but I think that both of those are pretty strong, pretty strong, better than some nicknames that I've heard. Um, <laughs> I would say that those two would be more desirable than ones that I have encountered. Not that personally, is so funny. but things that, yeah, I've seen. So that that's a very short sort of snippet, like that whole kind of pledge mm-hmm. uh, initiation process, because typically that's like a semester long thing. So mm-hmm. it ha- it's extremely fast. It's extremely fast. So that that was an interesting thing uh, that it doesn't like happen that quickly. It does happen over the course of a semester. Yes, I agree. And so after all this, we are first introduced to college dean Vernon Warmer who wants to remove the Deltas from the college. They're already on probation. <laughs> and this is one of the best things of the entire movie. <laughs> but due to various campus conduct violations and an abysmal academic standing, he invokes his emergency authority and places the fraternity on double secret probation. <laughs> he directs, yeah. I, mean, what, I feel what like do we that, think term, about that term is just part of like American culture, double secret probation. Double secret uh, probation, sir? <laughs> Um, I will say, like, I will confirm the facts that houses can be put on a probation status for violating codes of conduct. There's nothing, yeah, double secret probation is not real. But if I were to say this could describe my senior year, uh, I'm sure our, our dean wanted us gone. I'm sure that maybe some other fraternities wanted us gone, like the Omegas and their sort of clean cut leader, Greg Marmalade, but they, they kind of go through nefarious methods to remove the Deltas from this school. Even though the Deltas, you know, they try to improve their, their academics and stuff. I won't say if it's the most, you know, ethical way, but they, they do try. So it's completely unethical. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a bunch of pranks that sort of happen throughout this, this entire movie, but especially kind of from the time where we first meet uh, Greg, the leader of the Omegas, and Dean Warmer. And yeah, Emma, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we're already getting some of this gross out humor. Like we have the ROTC training thing and you have Otter doing his pledges of solid and uh, gets Niedermeyer's horse. <laughs> and then we have some laughing at someone's misfortune. Uh, we have Bluto being perverted and looking up the cheerleader skirts again. You're in that sort of like inappropriate sexual humor 
realm. And also those are the most useless cheerleading uniforms ever because you can only use it for like half a football season. So they make no sense. Side note. Um, <laughs> I also want to point out that if you are someone who is more liberal and progressive in your feminism, I think you can enjoy this film. I think, again, this is, like I've mentioned this term before, cultural archaeology. You're just kind of looking back at where the society was at the time with what things were found to be funny or not. Um, And you can be critical of some things, but also be like, oh, yeah, college at other things. Yeah, college. I think a lot of it can just be summed up to college. And, (laughs) I mean, all the nonsense with the pranks and stuff, is pretty accurate. I mean, like definitely pranking goes on. Well, that's just it. Like the like like the horse <laughs> thing. <laughs> like nothing like that would happen though. Yeah. No, nothing that that's kind of an extreme thing with the horse. And it, I mean they they didn't even try so the horse prank that goes awfully wrong. Uh I believe it's <laughs> Pinto where Bluto and D-Day take Pinto and No, wasn't it, it, or, or it was Founders? Ken. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so they take Flounder, and Flounder's sort of getting abused by Niedermeyer, the ROTC sort of commander. And Niedermeyer is abnormally close to his horse, so close (laughs) to the point where he feeds him carrots with his mouth, which is disgusting. Niedermeyer is so weird. Yeah, and and so D-Day and Bluto want to get back at Niedermeyer or just help Flounder build up his confidence. Well, it's kind honestly. of a, it's kind of like a, I don't know how to put this, like a double layered prank that backfires. Yeah. Like it's a thing against Niedermeyer, but it's really supposed to be a thing against Flounder, but then it just like explodes on everyone. Yeah. Yeah. So they take him into Warmer's office, the, the horse, these guys all take the horse into uh, Warmer's office and then they give Flounder a gun and they tell him to shoot the horse. Which was like very triggering for me. I got very nervous. But I mean, like, I know I've seen this movie, so I wasn't really yeah. nervous, but yeah. <laughs> like, so, it always makes you uncomfortable. And so Bluto and D-Day leave the room and then they kind of just, you know, they nudge each other and they're like, you put blinks in there, right? And he's like, yeah. So they knew that Flounder wasn't actually going to harm the horse. But when Flounder pulls the trigger, which isn't even aimed at the horse, the horse sort of panics, freezes, and then just collapses and dies right in Warmer's office. And it's done in a comical way. So that like... Very funny. I just, I love Bluto and D-Day's reaction when they go in and they're just like, holy shit. (laughs) Like, I don't even know what I would do in that situation. Like, I would do what they did. I would just run. I would just run away. And pray that I wasn't found because that would be <laughs> awful. That'd be an awful situation to be in. But there's a lot of stuff going on here. We also are introduced to Greg's girlfriend, Mandy, who may or may not have had a thing with Otter. It seems like every girl, every woman in this movie has had a thing with Otter at some point, which Emma, what are your thoughts on Otter? What, what do you dislike about Otter? Um, I just think he's slimy and I think he treats women as a commodity and you know like I just I think that he is a little disrespectful and he's very much into his own self-interest is is, would you say that otter is an attractive guy um 
if you if you didn't hear, you had no backstory on him. Just never opened his mouth. You just kind of came across. Okay, him. Yeah, like like to the eye. Yeah, he's conventionally attractive. Now, for me, a, a person's personality will just like take that down so many points. <laughs> like, like yeah, yeah. So you know, I think I think it balances out. Um, but yeah, if you if you saw him, you'd be like, yeah, he's conventionally attractive, and I'm sure that's someone that people would be like, oh yeah, I'm interested in him. I would say he's he's a pretty suave guy. I think he, you know, works everyone pretty <laughs> uh pretty intensely going from Dean Warmer's wife up till his literal deceased date's roommate <laughs> which yeah. around on that is like less than a minute. It's kind of, yeah, it's it's pretty nuts. It's pretty nuts. So you're saying that you wouldn't give Otter a chance if you bumped into him at the Delta house and you never met him or knew about his history before. Would you entertain talking to him if you met him at the Delta house for the first time? Okay. Or would you be able to pick up on his uh, playerness? I feel like I would talk to him at first, but I feel like his charm isn't that well covered. Oh. I think I, I I do think that his ulterior motives of his motives <laughs> seep through a little bit more than he realizes, I think. Okay. And I think you can see that in scenes later on. Okay. I don't know. So out of all the delts, who would you think would be the best one to date? Probably Hoover. <laughs> Okay. Okay. We're taking Hoover out because it's almost too easy. Okay. Who, besides Hoover, because everyone would say Hoover. Who is the, who's the. Who's the most dateable? Yes. Oh, I guess Boone. Kind Ooh. of. <laughs> I don't really know the extent of his partying that gave Katie a problem, but it seems like he at least definitely would be a committed boyfriend. Okay. What about Senator Blutarski? <sighs> he would be fun. He would be fun. I don't know if he, yeah, like he's okay. You know what? Bluto's the kind of guy that, okay. Cause sororities have events too. Like sororities have like events that they throw and, you know, a bunch of guy, you know, will sign up to be a date for a girl. And Bluto's the kind of guy where, like, okay, girls, like, one of us has to take him. Like, <laughs> one, and one, like, you just have to put him on the list. Like, if you don't have a date, it's like, okay, like, who, who's taking Bluto? And someone just signs up because you just have to have him at your event. That's the kind of guy Bluto is. <laughs> oh, man. I would hate to be that guy. <laughs> the, 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 the guy that some poor girl has to bite the bullet for. Oh man, that would be that'd be terrible. Like, all right, I'll I'll go. I'll go with Jack. And everyone's like, be strong. Be strong. Be strong, Katie. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, you'd have to keep an eye on him, but at the same time, I think I think he's the kind of guy that can like hold it together just enough. Yeah. Cause he's been around this thing so many times. Right. I think. Yeah. The events were fun. I mean, like I, I definitely miss like organized events. Maybe it's just the times right now that we live in where mm-hmm. no one can actually go out or socialize that I miss. But <laughs> I, I think I, I really am missing just social interaction. So this seems like such a fun movie. I would love to just kind of like one night. I don't need, you know, 
a semester, God no. <laughs> but I just need like maybe a weekend or two to to feel like <laughs> um I don't know, the the animal house side of me come out. Yeah. Again. yeah. But yeah, so much fun. So after the <laughs> accidental horse death, uh, we kind of see Bluto and D-Day really attempting and trying their best to uh, improve the standing of the house. And they steal, they, they borrow some answers to an upcoming test from the trash, not realizing that the Omegas, the evil Omegas, have switched the papers <laughs> for the exam. So the really sweet Deltas end up failing their exam. Their GPAs fall extremely low. And Warmer tells them that he only needs one more incident to revoke their charter. And to cheer themselves up, the Deltas organize a toga party and bring in Otis Day in the Nights to provide live music. Emma, what is going on here? Okay. Right before toga party, I just want to point out that the um, scene where John Belushi is in the cafeteria. Oh, my God. Otter's trying to steal Mandy, the girlfriend of Greg. Mm -hmm. uh, That's an iconic scene. Just like the... (laughs) <laughs> that boy is a pig. Like the P-I-G really pretentious, pig. Yeah, the really pretentious babs. Um, and then <laughs> I love how John Belushi goes back at like I'm a zit, and that was all totally improvised. That whole cafeteria scene, uh, him piling the food on his tray, the zit gag, all that was totally from his mind, just completely genius. Yeah. And yeah, so didn't want to not mention that total oh, party. Course. Oh my gosh. Okay, first of all. The whole um, you get more gross out genre stuff here with Bluto peeping and like being a peeping Tom into the sorority house. I, I don't get like why do guys like the weird fantasy of sexy pillow fights? Like, I don't get it. I don't. You mean they don't topless, happen? You mean topless pillow fights and sorority yes. houses don't happen yes. every single night? <laughs> Believe it or not, they don't. <laughs> While um, talking about your date <laughs> and being no. like, oh, you silly goose, you. <laughs> Like that's literally how. It's <laughs> Maybe just coming yeah. back what? to talk about your date, but it's never been followed up with like a sexy pillow fight. All right, guys, are you ready for the pillow fight at nine nine p.m.? Yes, oh yes, I've been waiting all day. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and also, um, you see some of that newfound seventies humor with like Bluto breaking the fourth wall and looking at the audience. Yeah, yeah, when he's looking in the window. And I feel like Mandy could totally have seen Bluto looking at her. And I don't know how she didn't. A part of me thinks that she knew he was there and she was trying to mess with him. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, unless for some reason it's a one-way window looking inside, <laughs> I don't know how she wouldn't see Bluto. Literally, he's on a big ladder and Again. staring into the room. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous sexist if you want to say it yeah but it's awesome and more like, of that gross out humor yeah and if you're you know like a, a young guy in middle school maybe even high school <laughs> you're, you're probably going to think that this is real and i'm just going to tell you <laughs> right now it's not so don't get your hopes up like chill out you know calm down not real <laughs> there are other things to look forward to like toga parties which yes oh um, my gosh okay the toga party scene is again i use this word non-stop though this movie but one of the most well-known scenes i feel like of all time in yes. college in the history of college movies <laughs> i love how like boone is also like it's not gonna be an orgy <laughs> so funny and yeah um it's just 
Oh my gosh. Amazing. So originally uh, toga parties were very popular in the fifties and early sixties. And this movie actually revived toga parties all over again across the States. I never went to a toga party in college. They did happen. They did happen. I kid you not. I always had a test or a paper due the next day that there was a toga party or, and um, I always had a test or a paper due the day after the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. I don't know That's what awful. my luck was, but it was terrible. Um, so I would watch my friends get ready for toga parties or like the girls in my dorm. Um, and I never went to one. So maybe during quarantine, I'll like dress up in a bed sheet and just like wash this again. <laughs> yeah. We personally, I don't think we ever had a toga. We might've had one, but our big parties, like our big parties besides our actual biggest parties of the semester were mm-hmm. sort of these mini they're smaller parties but they were still big and it was called pie cats and wow. everyone just wore white t-shirts but they oh. made a cat on the shirt and for some reason everybody just went wild for pie when it was a pie cats party like it was going off that's like- fun we had really fun ones we had really fun theme parties i have to say like our legendary one i actually okay and you would dress, you would go in pairs and people got so creative, like SpongeBob and a jellyfish, Leprechaun and a pot of gold. There were just so many good ones. One year, my friends and I did a Steven Spielberg theme and me and my date went as Jaws and Chief Brody. And we had another that went as uh, Alan Grant and a dinosaur and Indiana Jones and like a golden that's statue. Amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> like, um, that it was just so creative and fun to I don't know, just like 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 that let that fun part of you silliness come through. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the parties are one of the best aspects of college. I mean, like if you're not a very social person, at least have a, a tight group you can have some nice kickbacks with and play like Smash Bros or something. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, these parties are are extremely fun when you're young and you know, relatively carefree. So enjoy it. I mean, that's all I would say. Like if I had one kind of word of advice, it'd just be to enjoy it. And because I mean, I honestly think Greek life will probably be extinct. Uh, if not soon, like within this generation, uh, which is pretty, I don't know, like sad in a way, maybe. I think it'll go in ebbs and flows. Like I think there'll be trends of people wanting to join and people not. Um, yeah. I don't, I will say this. I just, yeah, I love my experience. It really held me accountable for studying and stuff. It like introduced me to other, other people and it gave me like a really good support system off the bat. It made college a little bit smaller for me. Uh, it was really fun to get involved in charity and philanthropy without having to be nervous about going into that on your own. It's just a really good gateway for, for that. Um, I met my best friends through Greek life and yeah, it was just overall like really good experience, really good memories. Yeah. Good stuff. And back to (laughs) animal house, (laughs) the rest of the toga parties sort of crazy. Otter hooks up with Dean Warmer's wife, Marion. Pinto, wow, what a... uh, Pinto hooks up with Clarette, a cashier he meets at the supermarket. Okay. She, yeah, she passes Not... out. So, yeah, Emma, what, what is up? Totally hooks up with her. Yeah, um, they, they make out. They make out. Okay, yeah. Now, the devil angel scene was 
very, very triggering to me. And it is so upsetting to see that this was something that even needed to be debated, um, even for humor purposes. And I just want to put it out there. If, if Pinto had had sex with that drunk, unconscious young woman, girl, yeah, girl. Spoiler alert. Um, it would have been rape yeah. for your information. That is considered rape. Like guys know that that would have been rape, right? Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, okay. the good ones. Like, I mean, if a yeah. guy, a guy would definitely good step guys. in. Like a, a good guy would step in if they saw that happening. And okay. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but there are some not so good guys out there. And for those of you that are like, what? Yes, that is considered rape. And I will say too, like Greek life does, or at least at my school did a really good job of doing kind of programming that talked about consent and whatnot and like what consent is. And so I hope that that's something that continues in colleges and high schools. And yeah, so I think with, it is kind of interesting watching this though, to see how far we've come in the advancement of raising awareness towards sexual assault. That to me, this just wouldn't be a joke that would make it today at all no i think it's a, it's it's a real thing i think yeah. but i don't think you could get away with it in a movie yeah yeah so i don't know that so that it's kind of a hard scene for me to watch but it's like okay like look at how things were back then and i don't think this would have been the same today so i think again it's just one of those things look at the time period that this came out in um what's also kind of interesting i think it's the scene too there's a confederate flag in the yeah. background yeah um and like, you know, I'm sure there are people who disagree with me, but you know, the Confederate flag stands for a treasonous union and it really is a symbol associated with white supremacy and black slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's interesting is, is in the context of this film is that the contemporary display of this is really strongly linked and saw a resurgence when the civil rights movement was becoming more pronounced in the 1950s and 1960s. And so this movie takes place in a crucial time in that movement in the 60s. So to see that flag, it's kind of like... Jarring. I think it. a part of me thinks like maybe they put that in there as a sign of rebellion. Yeah, I mean, that's almost always what... Like, I've never flown it, but... uh, Yeah, like almost the intention is almost always like the rebel. Yeah aspect of it but in the context of when this took place it was a direct symbol against the civil rights movement so Mm -hmm. that's just kind of an interesting history note um yeah and but the toga party like the rest of it is really really fun if i could be an extra in any movie or scene ever it would either be this one or the twist and shout scene from ferris bueller's day off oh my god it would just be so fun to like listen to otis day of the nights and to live this song that now has become part of the American lexicon of dances. <laughs> uh, also, the greatest scene in the movie, in my opinion, happens during this toga party. And that is when we see a lone guitarist on the stairs <laughs> serenading three, you know, swooning women. He very then, Simon Garfunkel-esque. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, hipster. This man's a hipster. Don't know how he got in. But Bluto walks past him on the stairs having like this chalice of beer and then he just stands there for a second listening to this guy sing and then he grabs the guy's guitar (laughs) smashes it against the wall and then all he says is sorry 
Like <laughs> that is so brilliant. Like yeah, I so get, that, that that is something that would happen a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I feel like that would totally happen. And I love how they treated it the rest of the movie too. I think they just like put a frame around yeah. the spot that it broke in the wall, like which is just yeah. hilarious. Which, There's so many pockets yeah. of comedic genius in this yeah. film. Which also very true. Many holes and walls have been sort of covered up, band-aided with <laughs> I don't know, old rush flags or whatever you want. So there you're bound to find a, a few holes and walls at any any real fraternity that you go to so yeah very fun very fun but yes after all of this uh we see dean warmer who sees you know his wife kind of acting crazy and her escapade sort of we hear him organizing and trying to revoke delta's charter even harder and then all this is happening and then this is kind of where the movie to me like kind of trails off and does its little anthology thing where Otter, Boone, yeah. Flounder, and Pinto, they go on a road trip. <laughs> to Emily Dickinson College. <laughs> yeah, Emily Dickinson College. Oh, I do have a quick question. When you think back, like think back to the first time you watched this, which I'm sure is a million years ago, did you have a feeling that Katie was having an affair and cheating on Boone? Uh, I didn't, but that scene with the the professor and them smoking yeah. weed is so taboo that now it's like so weird to see them taking all those weird measures, like locking the door, you know, <laughs> putting the shades down. It was just such a funny scene, but I never got the feeling that Katie was going to be hooking up with the professor. The professor yeah. seems like a deadbeat, like <laughs> straight up. And I don't know what Katie was doing. I feel like she thought he was a man because he was a teacher and professor, like, but he's really on par with boon in my mind yeah yeah like he's really like an adult you know substance yeah. user like yeah. he's just a he's just boon but older and he's just writing his, he's just writing a shitty novel and teaching <laughs> to pay the bills so i don't know so i will say it is really funny when boon realizes she's cheating on him uh the bare butt scenes uh karen allen said she wasn't really sure she wanted to do it but then donald sutherland stepped in and offered to also get go bare butt and it was just so it, gross. She thought it was very sweet that he did that, so she was down to do it too. <laughs> it was so gross. It was so gross to watch. Again, you know, it grossed out humor, gross out genre. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Donald Sutherland is just, you know. I thought it was cool of him to help her out there. Sure. From an actor standpoint, <laughs> From sure. An actor standpoint. But it is just disgusting within the context of the story. Um, yeah. So <laughs> Otter Boone, Flounder, and Pinto go on this infamous sort of. Uh, escapade with this <laughs> i don't even know how to describe this like otter is originally going to find out or to find some woman he probably hooked up with from the past and ends up finding out that she died in a tragic kiln explosion or a kiln accident i think okay so this incident was based off of a real life incident with the fraternity brother of uh writer chris miller and even the brother, when the brother saw the film, he he stood up in the theater and was like, that was me. <laughs> so what oh, I yeah. think happened was I think that Otter read the obituary section. And I think he came up with this story to get that sort of like sympathy hookup from the yeah. room, from the other girls. Right. 
Um, Which is so scummy. So scummy. Yeah, I I can't. I can't with Otter. Like, I can't. What girl would actually sympathy hook up with a guy? Like, I feel like that just would not happen. I mean, I'm sure there are girls out there, but like, I feel like that's just so outrageous. Yeah, so that's his move. And they go see Otis day and the nights. Um, and again, we just have to keep an eye on the social progress perspective and how it was portrayed or lack thereof back then. And I really dislike how they portrayed violence coming from the black bar patrons. I thought that was the racist oh, yeah. tone there. Yeah, and, there's, def- but- there's definitely some racist undertones at the Dexter Lake Club <laughs> yeah. scene. One thing that sort of happened along with production was that, uh, according to John Landis, the director, Universal Pictures president Ned Tannen objected so strongly to the Dexter Lake Club scene that he interrupted a screening of the film and ordered the scene to be removed immediately, claiming it would cause race riots in the theaters. In response, Landis screened the film for Richard Pryor, who then wrote a note to Tannen, which read, Ned, Animal House is fucking funny and white people are crazy. Richard. So Hmm. (laughs) interesting, interesting comment from Richard Pryor. Yeah. I'm with, no, I'm with the cutting it out. Cause honestly, I don't know. I actually think that this scene does so little for the movie compared to the other ones. And I think you could have thought of something funnier. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. This one seems like to make, like it's not even funny to me, I guess. Yeah. To me, it it sort of makes black people the butt of the joke in a way. And I mean, women are the butt of the joke in so many of this too. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's like a white straight male movie. Yeah. So that's <laughs> who this is catered to, and so <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's cool to see Otis again singing. Not as fun as Shout, maybe, but yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting. Shamalama Ding Dong is solid. I'm a it's fan. A, <laughs> it's a it's a good you know vibey little song, but yeah, I think it's it's whack sort of how they this whole scene plays out. I would, I would be in favor of cutting it just because I don't think it, yeah, it doesn't yeah. move the story forward at all. I and honestly, it's racist. <laughs> yeah. And it's racist. I would have just gone straight to like the, uh, the, I don't know, like the mini court scene that they sort of, you know, they yeah. have between warmer and, uh, the delts. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there, like material wise that they probably could have come up with. Yeah. But yeah, this this ended up making it, so it's important to talk about. So, um, <laughs> but and I and I do like when they drop the girls off after the date. I do think the girls are actually kind of funny. Like when the one is like, "I think Frank was kind of cute," and they're like, "Ew!" <laughs> like I'm like, "I'm with you, girls." Accurate, accurate. Um, that that kind of reminds me of like a night after a sorority. I don't know, like time with your like that reminds me of a night out with your sisters and you're coming back and you're like are you out of your mind um everyone's yeah. judging their dates <laughs> like yeah. yeah and then and then we get some other kind of funny moments like babs backstabs her friend mandy and uh yeah, talk i don't about know a good friend yeah, <laughs> right Jesus. and then there's like the delta house is in peril with them finally getting the final verdict, which was deciding to shut the house down, right? Exactly. So uh, Greg and the other Omegas, since they find out that Otter used to have a relationship with Mandy, lure him into a motel and beat him up. And the Delta's midterm grades are so poor that an ecstatic warmer expels them with 
amazing, amazing quotes uh, that we'll talk about in a second. <laughs> Having already notified their local draft boards that they are now eligible for military service, that sort of historical context that you were talking about earlier, Emma, kind of playing in now. The new yeah. shocks flounder so badly that he vomits on warmer. So fat, drunk, and stupid are no way to go through life. Easily oh probably God. the best best quote. I love how Robert Hoover, the president, has the best GPA, and it's like a 1.7. <laughs> um, it's ridiculous. That's and, bad. <laughs> yeah, and Bluto having a 0. 0.0. And his walrus pencil move, just like not taking it seriously at all. It's awesome. It's, it's great. so funny. Yeah. So. Uh, and then like, yeah, then they move the stuff out of the Delta house and like the, like the classic Bluto line of seven years of college down the drain. <laughs> it reminds me of uh, the line in Tommy boy yeah. where he goes like lots of people go to college for seven years. Yeah. They're called doctors. They're called doctors. <laughs> <laughs> and Oh, and the scene where like uh Bluto go gets so upset at them moving the bar out uh, and he downs that whiskey that was actually iced tea. So don't, I mean, that's still actually really gross. And I can't even imagine chugging an iced tea like that. Uh, but Ugh. don't worry, it wasn't whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. It was just like that gave me flashbacks for sure. <laughs> Nights that I do not uh, remember, recall anything you want to say, but definitely some fun. So the Deltas are despondent, but Pluto gives them one of the best inspirational speeches of all time. Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Heck no. And so everyone is rallied behind Bluto. They decide to get revenge on Warmer, the Omegas, and the college. D-Day converts Flounder's sort of damaged family car into an armored vehicle. They hide it inside a cake-shaped breakaway float and sneak into the annual homecoming parade, the sort of crescendo yeah. of this movie. Yeah. Oh, and I do want to say, um, we get a visit back from Clorette. Yes. And... It is. I was so grossed out. Like this is I, gross. yeah, I forgot. I thought they were gonna say like I knew that she was younger than like the age she gave, but I thought she was gonna say she was fifteen. And when she said thirteen, I literally like vomited in my mouth. Like that was so gross. Um, <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, and like thank God nothing happens between them. Uh, and just so you know, she was twenty in real life. So don't worry. It wasn't like there was a child subjected to this oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> see a lot of boobs in this just you know spoiler alert late spoiler alert if you made it this far you already know that but <laughs> yeah so as the homecoming parade commences they wreak havoc on the event the futures of several of the student main characters are revealed using freeze frame labels which are great <laughs> very classic move uh, most of the Deltas become respectable professionals Bluto for example becoming a senator and marrying Mandy <laughs> great, great ending for him. While the Omegas suffer less fortunate outcomes, such as Niedermeyer being killed by his own troops in <laughs> Vietnam, which is kind of extreme, but funny. But funny and referenced in the Twilight Zone movie. Like, I knew we should have killed uh, Lieutenant Niedermeyer or whatever they <laughs> said. They, they make yeah. an allusion to it. It's funny. Great, great stuff. Because, yeah, that, that was another Landis movie, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Hoover, public defender, classic. I couldn't see anything less for him. And Babs is no, is shown to be a tour guide at Universal Studios. Um, I think it was until 1989 you could have asked for the Ask for Babs special, and you could have mentioned, can I have Babs, and you would have gotten a tour for free. 
uh, they oh, no wow. longer honor that policy, but that was like a little, little fun Easter egg you could have done. Uh, yeah, but wow, Animal House. Animal House, yeah, Emma. What about Animal House sort of sticks with you after the final credits roll? What are your sort of parting thoughts that you have? Uh, yes, this is another one with a complicated legacy. I think that there are things that are so funny. Like this, I just love that we have this immortalized vision of John Belushi's humor and comedic timing. He was such a funny guy um, as, at the rest of the cast too, but this was, I think he was like such a big star in this. So many funny parts definitely inspired so many other films in the college area, in the gross out genre to come. This really changed how comedy projects were brought into the studios. And so it has a lasting impact in that regard. However, I do think there are some things with the sexism and racism that just didn't strike me as as funny. But I think you can just acknowledge like when this was filmed and when it came out and still enjoy kind of the fun nostalgia of it, of thinking back at college and how there were some kind of you know, awful Omega type people out there. There were some awful otters out there, but there were also some fun guys like Bluto out there. Uh, yeah. And yeah, there were just fun things back if, if you attended college or just like in your youth, like you don't have to attend yeah. college, but yeah. like, it just makes you think back to this like late teen, early 20 period of your life where you're just like, oh man, good times. Definitely. Yeah. I think that there are negative aspects to it that are in the modern lens, you know, very questionable things that definitely would have cut it today. Things that probably aren't even right. Um, I mean, I think it's important to definitely, you know, not be afraid to make a parody or, you know, laugh at yourself too much. So I think that there are ways that this sort of uh, exemplifies that. And I think overall, yeah, it's, it's just a fun movie. Uh, It's not meant to be accurate, even though, the deliberation scene was very accurate. Um, everything else kind of is, you know, pretty opposite. You know, this this house would never actually last on yeah. on a college. So, well, and to and to any new members of Greek life, uh, I don't know if we have any young members of Greek life li- listening to us, but if you have a relative or know someone who has just entered Greek life. Um, I know right now is definitely really hard because things are so socially distant, but I still encourage you to uh, connect virtually at least. Um, I just had such a really positive experience with my sorority. And again, it's not like I hate when people say it's paying for your friends because it is definitely not a guarantee that you're going to make friends in your chapter. So I definitely encourage you to reach out to maybe some of the members if you join a chapter and get involved because there's a lot of really cool things to um, find from Greek life. And yeah. um, Yeah. Just because you're in Greek life doesn't mean you can't make friends outside of Greek life. Exactly. exactly. That's the thing. Like I I definitely have my fraternity friends, but I also made friends within, you know, my major and just sort of, you know, random clubs and stuff. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's just one aspect of, you know, school, but um, it's it's definitely pretty fun. I, I forgot to mention this at the beginning of the movie, but one of my favorite memories from college actually was, I believe, either the night before initiation or the night before one of our registers, like me and all my fellow pledges at the time, 
we watched Animal House in our projector room and we, oh. we, we stayed the night at the house. So um, it definitely, it hyped us up and it was sort of a nice kind of bonding moment. Uh, even though like it's, it's nonsense, it was just kind of a fun night. But yeah, yeah stuff like that is definitely uh, what I'll remember and what I'll take away from the experience as a whole. So yay, Animal House. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to put a little bit of a plug in here. Please, if you are an American citizen, please make sure you register to vote. We have yes. a very important election coming up there. There's a lot on the line, and it seems like the line is getting more and more precarious <laughs> as the, we The fate go. of the universe hinges <laughs> on this vote. Um, <laughs> yes. So I would say visit www.whenweallvote.org. Um, I'm going to put the link up on our social media. Um, th- I think this is a really helpful site. It definitely helped me when I double-checked my registration um, and all that stuff. So triple check to make sure you're registered. You don't want to show up to the voting polls or try to vote by mail and have it not work out. For the chance that there are some of you American citizens living abroad, visit fvap.gov to look into how you can uh, participate in the federal vote and make sure you get your federal vote in if you can't, if you're living abroad right now. Um, Yeah. And next week we have a very, very special guest coming on. We are going to talk all about acting. So if you have any questions for an actor that you've always wanted to know the answer to, please message us or reach out one way or another, um, and we can kind of add that to our list of interview questions. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. Uh, best places to reach us would be on Instagram, Old Soul Movie Podcast, Old Soul Movie Podcast on Facebook as well. Great, great stuff. Very excited for that one. This has been a fun week. I really liked kind of reminiscing a little bit, talking a little bit about Animal House. Definitely, definitely a fall movie. Gets you in the feels. Yes. And uh, yeah, can't wait for next week. Emma, do you have anything else before we sign off? Nope. Just uh, make sure you're registered to vote. <laughs> Both of yours truly are registered so if you are part of the old soul fam don't forget to vote it's important like and again i i know that you know you're getting a lot of infiltration right now vote 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 um but i was listening to a podcast and someone put it really well that just like really resonated with me this this guest on this podcast said look i don't know if voting works or not but i know that it's better than nothing like i know it's worth trying right i mean some something is better than nothing. And right. I also saw another great thing while walking uh, the Venice canals this morning. And that was a huge sign over someone's house that said that democracy is not a spectator sport. So participate, Ooh. participate, you know, have your opinion heard, whether it's one way or the other, it's important, honestly. So um, get out there, guys, get out there, register and, and vote, have your voice heard. All right, Emma, anything? No, no until next week. See you guys very soon. Take care.